Amen. Thank you for that special music. God bless. I invite you to take your Bible now this morning and open to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We'll be looking at a couple of different verses in the scriptures. Have your Bible ready. Well, tonight, this morning, I should say tonight, this morning, it is morning. We're going to be talking about Mr. Doubting Thomas. Now, the Apostle Thomas was a good man and he served the Lord in a a great way. Tradition says that he went as a missionary to India and he died there. Listen to this on July 3rd, AD 72. But in his early day, earlier days uh, with Jesus, he had this nagging problem of doubt, which is of course, a lack of faith. However, it was all cleared up sometime after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, unfortunately, the title Doubting Thomas never really did go away. And we still use it today when we talk about someone who is weak in the faith and pulling back. Now, the word doubt means to be uncertain about something. It means to waver in your opinion or to withdraw or to hesitate. It's true, however, that there are many Christian doubting Thomases in churches all over the world today. And I suppose when you think about it, the title could technically be applied to just about every single one of us. But the truth is, you and I as Christians, we have the ability. That's the key. We have the ability to doubt everything the Lord says. Whatever the Lord says, we have the ability to doubt it. And then to trust in our own ideas. Now think about that. Have you ever found yourself there? Where you read something in the scripture or heard something preached. And your first thought was doubt. I doubt that. Because you had your own ideas as to what is right and wrong. And what is up and down. And we tend to trust in those and doubt other other sources, one of them being the the very word of God. And of course, the devil, he loves that. He jumps on that bandwagon. The devil always tries to get Christians to doubt. That's very true. And it seems, well, take a look, please, at chapter 20. Look at verse 25. About two or three lines down, you see the words of Thomas, except I shall see in his hands the print, except I shall see. And it seems to me that unless we today see something, we tend not to believe it because we we're following that old adage, that old proverb, seeing is believing. And so we tend to, to be that way, don't we? Well, I'll believe that when I see it. But I tell you the truth, seeing is not always believing. There are many things you believe in and yet have never, ever seen. And one of them is Jesus Christ. That should put the nail in the coffin right there. That seeing is not always believing. Many times we cannot see, but yet we, we believe. None of us here have actually seen the back of our head. We've seen pictures. We've seen images. You can stand with mirrors and see, see a mirrored reflection of the back of your head, but you've never actually seen the back of your head, have you? Never, unless... You've got some weird eyes or something that can get around the back. But normally there are 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 things in the world I've never seen, but yet I believe them. I've never been to China, 
but I believe there is a China. Well, how can you believe it if you've never seen it? Oh, there's abundant testimony, abundant evidence. But I personally have never seen it. How about that? What we really need is we need to have faith of a child because a child tends to trust what his parents says, even without seeing. That's the beautiful thing about the children. They tend to trust what their parents say. A young child will doubt his own ideas and will trust what his parent says. Whereas in many homes where there's teenage rebellion, it turns around exactly the opposite. The teenager will now doubt whatever it is that his parents say and will trust their own ideas. So opposite of the young child, right? Now I must hasten to say that sometimes the, the teenager has just cause to doubt what his father or mother says, because sometimes mom and dad haven't been living for the Lord. They haven't been living consistent lives. It's do as I say, not as I do. That only washes for the first year or two. After that, the kids don't even believe it. And if parents have not been living a consistent godly life, then it gives the children when they hit their teenage years, it gives them all the reason in the world to doubt what the parents say and to trust what they believe. And so we can't be too hard on the teens. So today we're going to talk about Mr. Doubting Thomas. Before I begin, I just want you to know, and those of you that are watching over the internet, I am not talking about COVID-19 today. I am not talking about your decision, whether you'll come to church or not because of COVID-19. I am not talking about that at all at all. If you have that impression, you have the wrong impression. What I'm talking about is faith in God. What I'm talking about is believing God, serving God and trusting God to see great miracles happen. That's what I'm talking about. Now with that in mind, let's pray. And then let's look at this amazing life of this man named Thomas. Heavenly father, we ask now for a supernatural understanding from the scriptures given by a supernatural person, the Holy spirit. We ask you dear heavenly father to bring honor and rich glory and praise and obedience to your name and to your word. Lord, increase our faith. Father, isn't that exactly what the disciples asked of Jesus? So father, here we are asking it again, the very same prayer, increase our faith. And Lord, help us to take our faith, even though it be the size of a grain of mustard seed. Help us to take our faith and to put it to good use and to live for you because our days are short and the coming of Jesus draweth nigh. So bless us, we pray, each one here in the auditorium and each one in their home that's watching over the internet. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Thomas, what was he? Well, he was born a Jew. He was Jewish and he was probably not a rich kid. Why is that? Because Jesus chose those who were poor in order to come and be his disciple. Remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and Jesus said, well, one thing thou lackest. Remember what he told him? Do you remember? Go sell everything you got, give it to the poor. And then you'll have great treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. I don't think that uh, Thomas was a rich kid, nor do I think that he had a big highfalutin education. 
for the very same reason. Well, is there anything wrong with being rich? Is there anything wrong with getting a, a, a very expensive, big worldly education? No, in themselves, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. But hear me, being rich in this world and going to all of the worldly universities and colleges tend to work against faith. They tend to work against faith. The Lord Jesus was looking to build a little Bible college of men that he could then turn loose upon the world. And so he chose those that were poor in this world, but rich in faith. That's who he chose. I think that that's very important. Thomas was a Jew. His Hebrew name, Tamos. Tamos. It's the same as the Greek word, Thomas. Thomas, from which we get Thomas. And both names mean the same thing. It means twin or duplicate. Twin. Why was Thomas called a twin? Well, he could have been a twin. Maybe he was uh, twins with his firstborn brother or firstborn sister. I don't think if he was first out of the womb, they would have called him twin. I think if he was second, they might have called him twin. Does that make any sense? Just a thought. Now, there are some people who think that he was called Thomas or twin because he was so much like others in the world, always doubting. And yet it's important for us to know that Jesus Christ chose this doubting Thomas. Now, I'd like you to keep your finger there in John chapter 20 and turn to the right to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Would you turn there now, please? This is very, very important to what we're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Please look at verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, that would be the worldly wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not. To bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so clearly we can see the Lord's wisdom in choosing a guy like Thomas. He was doubting Thomas is what he was. And we're going to see that in scripture. Now, does this mean that God is pleased when we doubt? And the answer is absolutely not. It doesn't please God at all. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And in verse six, it says, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. You and I will never please God when we hesitate and waver. When we doubt and hold back. It seems that Thomas had a root problem. If you'll go back, please, to John chapter 20. Here's Thomas's root problem problem. It's in verse 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. And so he 
prefaces this statement. Boy, I, wish, I bet he wishes he could take this one back. Have you ever said something that later you wished, man, I wish I hadn't said that? Huh? Don't you think Thomas, poor guy, it's in scripture now. It's chiseled in stone. It's not going away. Here's what Thomas said, except I shall see. Now look at verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And so Thomas seems to have a root problem here. Wouldn't you agree? And his problem is seeing is believing unless I see for myself. And I think that that's what's holding a lot of people back. They, they get held back from believing the Lord and living by faith because they can't see. The Bible says I'm to tithe. The preacher says I'm to tithe, but I just don't see it. The Bible says I'm to let my light shine and be a soul winner. The pastor said I'm to let my light shine and soul winner, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And that's why a lot of Christians aren't soul winners. And that's why a lot of Christians don't tithe. And that's why a lot of new Christians don't even get baptized. They don't even follow the Lord in the waters of baptism. Could it be that Thomas had parents that lived inconsistent lives for God? Is this maybe how Thomas became doubting Thomas? Could he have learned it off his dad or his mom? Some moms and dads are tremendous worriers. And that's where the kids learn it from. They learn to worry in fear. Where'd they learn that from? Maybe because growing up, they watched dad or mom or both worry and fear over not enough finances, worry and fear over. Now I said, I wouldn't talk about COVID-19. Okay. So we'll talk about something else. Cancer, <laughs> worry and fear over their health. And they grew up in this atmosphere. And so that's how they live their lives. Worry and fear and doubt. Could it be that Thomas had a mom and dad like that, that they lived inconsistently for God? Did you know that's dangerous? That's having half a heart for God and half a heart for the world. Did you know that's dangerous way to live? Did you know that? Because you are exposing yourself to tremendous sorrows by Satan. He will see to it. Tremendous deception. If you're living half for God and half for the world, you are a prime target. The devil can come in and deceive you and fill your life with sorrow. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Lord, increase our faith. So important if we want to please God. If we want to know the joy that God gives, it has to be by faith. As we're going to see here in just a minute. James chapter one, verse eight says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's got half a mind on God and half a mind on the world. He's going to be an unstable man. Not a good man to marry an unstable man. In James chapter four, verse eight, James says, purify your hearts. Ye double-minded get the world out of there. Get the world's way of thinking out of your heart. Oh, what are we supposed to be? Zombies be stupid. No, that's a stupid thing to say. 
we're to put our faith in what God has said. And God's book covers every scenario, every situation, either by exact precept or by principle. It's covered, beloved. We've got a a book of instructions that tell us right from wrong, tell us up from down. Praise God for it. We just need to believe the book. Now, let's take a moment here and let's look at what the Bible says about Thomas. Did you know that his name is actually mentioned? How many times do you think the name Thomas is mentioned in the Bible? Would you say three times? Raise your hand. Three. Six times. Only two people have raised their hand so far. Now that's interesting. Would you say the name Thomas is mentioned more than eight times? More than 10 times? It's actually mentioned 12 times. 12 times. Hey, that's one for each of the apostles, isn't it? That doesn't mean anything, by the way. Um, There's only three passages where we actually learn something about Thomas. And there's a fourth by inference, but there's only three passages. And we're going to look at those right now. Let's turn back in John to chapter 11, shall we? Let's go back to chapter 11. So here is our first passage that deals with um, something that's actually recorded that Thomas said. So we want to look at a couple of passages. There's only three of them where Thomas actually said something or did something here. And it's recorded about him. The other, the other passages just list his name. Like when Jesus was choosing the 12, there, the name Thomas is listed there. But there's nothing about Thomas. Just the listing of his name. But here we have something that he actually said. We can learn from Thomas. We're in chapter 11. Please look here. Um, let's go back to verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them, that's the 12 disciples, plainly, Lazarus is dead. This is that great chapter where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember that? However, um, the Jews were out to kill Jesus. Uh, So you see verse eight, his disciples said unto him, master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee and goest thou thither again back into Judea. And so anyhow, we're in verse, verse 14. Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad verse 15 for your sakes that I was not there to the intent. He may believe nevertheless, let us go unto him. And then Thomas opened his mouth in verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, which means twin unto his fellow disciples. Let us also go that we may die with him. Now that's a defeatist attitude, isn't it? Oh, all right. Let's all go and die together. Hmm. That doesn't sound so good, does it? We're all going to die. A defeatist attitude. Boy, it sounds like he's on the Titanic, doesn't he? That's pretty much his attitude. He figured, ah, this is it. This is it, fellas. Let's go and die right along with Jesus. There's something we learn about Thomas. Doesn't that give you some idea as to what he was like? He wasn't the most 
positive guy in the crowd. He wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. And he seemed to have this defeatist mental attitude. Well, let's go to chapter 14. We'll learn something else about Thomas. Chapter 14, the Lord Jesus, here on the night in which he was betrayed, had his disciples together and he gave them the, the um, communion ordinance. And then he's talking to them and he's trying to comfort them. In verse, 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know. And the way, ye know. Now, I'd like you to read verse 5 out loud with me now, please. Read all together. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? It would almost appear that Thomas is a little dull of understanding. Jesus just said to them, and whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And so Thomas then says, well, duh, <laughs> we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? You know, it sort of sounds like a kid in school who's not been paying attention. Doesn't it sound a little bit like that? And so I don't know if he had a short attention span here, but it seemed that he may have had a wandering mind. You say, what do you mean? I mean that during the preaching, his mind was someplace else maybe. Because he should have known. Jesus was telling them. You can see it in the scriptures. He was telling them he was going to his father. There's Thomas. Maybe his mind was out the window looking at the birdies chirping on the, the branches or something. And all of a sudden, then Thomas says, uh, Lord, I have a question. What's your question, Thomas? Where are you going? And what's the way? <laughs> he seems a little dull here, doesn't he? And so I'm not trying to be hard on Thomas, but I'm just trying to point out <laughs> he should have been paying attention. And I wonder if sometimes we don't do the same thing and we miss something the Lord is trying to tell us because we're thinking about other things. Maybe our work, maybe our sports, our hobbies, maybe about our car or our cooking, something about the house, something about our future, something about that job interview coming up. And our mind is off the word of God and onto these other things. Sort of reminds you a little bit about the sower, the parable of the sower. The guy goes forth and he sows the seed. Some of it fell on the hard pathway. And what happened? The fowls, the birds came and ate it right up. We see that sometimes with unsaved people. You can be talking to them. Their eyes are open. They're looking at you. You can be explaining to them where sin came from and how sin is part of their lives and how God must judge sin. They must be put into hell. Do you understand that? They say, yeah. All right. So if you were to die tonight, where would you go? To heaven. Why? Because I'm a nice person. Uh, we're missing something here. And then you go back and you explain it again to them. It's almost that way with Thomas. It's like he, 
you know, the lights are on, but no one's home. He's looking at you, but he's not listening. Jesus often would say, he that hath what? Ears, let him hear. And so it's just very important that we take careful notice. When you get in in your prayer closet, alone with the Lord, you open your Bible. It's important that you pay attention to what he's got to tell you. And don't do what so many Christians do. Zoom, 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 right through those verses and words. I don't understand them. It doesn't matter. Zoom, zoom, zoom. I just want to get through my chapter so I can check it off. Then I can hand in a paper saying I've read the scriptures. We're missing something, aren't we? Thomas would have done something like that. Mr. Doubting Thomas. Was Thomas the only one in the Bible to doubt the Lord? Of course not. There were lots of people who doubted what the Lord had to say. Eve in the garden. She listened to the doubtings of Satan. You remember that? Oh, hath God said you can't eat of every... Oh, no, no. Ah, thou shalt not surely die, for God knows in the day that thou eatest thereof. Right? And so she doubted. What she did was she doubted the word of God. She was happy and content until she started doubting what God had said. Then she got her eyes onto this one thing she wasn't allowed to have. And when she saw that it was good for food and desired to be make one wise and so on. Then she took and she ate it and gave to her husband who was standing right there. He wasn't off in some other part of the garden. He was with her. He was standing right there watching what she was doing. What an idiot. I don't want to be too hard on my great, great grandparents, but Eve doubted God's word in the garden. The apostle Peter himself doubted the words of Jesus Christ when Jesus said, come and he steps out of the boat onto the water and he starts walking. He's a water walker with Jesus. The only one in the Bible I know of that was walking on water with aside from Jesus was Peter. And there's Peter walking. Hey, look at me guys. Look at me guys. I'm walking on the water, walking on the water. And then he started to doubt. He got his eyes off of Jesus onto the angry waves. And down he went. That's what doubt will do to you and to me. Doubt will do that. Take us away and take us down. A great Bible verse is found back in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. The context is Elijah. And he's talking to the people of God. And he's trying to encourage them. Come back to God. And here's what he said. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? H-A-L-T. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now, unfortunately, the people of Elijah's day struggled with doubt. Doubt is always opposite of faith. Always. If you have doubt, you don't have faith. If you have faith, you don't have doubt. Galatians chapter three, verse 11 says the just shall live by. Say it faith. The just shall live by faith, not doubt. You can't live by doubt. The just shall live by faith. Second Corinthians five, seven, for we walk by what? Faith. Say it with me. Faith. 
not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by sight. But I thought seeing was believing. No, not always. Not always. If you're walking by sight, you're not walking by faith. You can't do both at the same time. You do one or you do the other, but you can't do both. And don't think you can please God with your doubting. Well, God, I I have faith, but I have doubt. Nice to know how much I please you. You know, there was a man that came to Jesus with a demoniac son and begged Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus said, do you really believe I can do this? And the man turned to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe help thou mine unbelief. Lord, I have elements of faith and I have elements of doubt and I don't want to be a doubter. I want to be a believer. Lord, would you please help me take away my doubt, my crazy hesitations. I'm halting between two opinions. My heart says to follow you. But all my friends are saying, no, no, do this with your life. Lord, what do I do? Well, we're not going to please God with doubt. We're going to please God with faith. Noah walked by faith. Abraham walked by faith. Moses walked by faith. All you got to do is turn to chapter 11 of Hebrews and start counting all of the heroes of faith. They pleased God by living by faith. That's how they did it. But old Mr. Doubting Thomas gets in the way. I'll never believe it unless I see it. And what did Jesus say? Go back to John chapter 20, would you please? John chapter 20, look at verse 29. I won't believe unless I see. Verse 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas missed out on a blessing. He was walking by sight, not by faith. And Jesus was saying, if you want to be blessed, that's what this verse is teaching. If you want to be blessed, walk by faith and not by sight. Skeptics will never, Christian skeptics will never know the joy that comes by faith. There is something so amazing about faith, something so wonderful about faith. We're called upon to live by faith. Well, we have to hurry and finish here. Let's look at the last biblical piece of biography of Thomas. And it's in this chapter. Verse 28. Read it out loud together with me, please. John 20, 28. Read it out loud now. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And so we can see that there is hope for a doubting Thomas. A man or woman who saved but plagued with doubts. There is hope for a doubting Thomas. Now the very last reference, these are the only three places in the Bible that we have that Thomas actually says something, but there's one last little bit of evidence. Perhaps we can certainly infer that it's good. It's in Acts chapter one verses 12 to 14, when it lists the names of the faithful, they were faithful followers of Jesus. This is after the resurrection. This is just before the day of Pentecost. Jesus had already gone back to heaven. They were there and they were faithful along 
No, I think I got ahead of myself there. Yeah, Jesus definitely rise from the, from the dead there. But here in verse, uh, no, they were gone. That's right. 12 to 14. You'll see the names are given there. And in verse 13, you'll see, and Thomas. So there he's listed along with the other faithful followers of Jesus. So that's a nice way to finish the story that there's hope for the doubter. And so we want to make a conclusion here. And we want to say this, that without faith, we will never please God. We will never see God's miracles in our lives. Never without faith. We'll never please him. We'll never see miracles. We won't even be able to serve him. And so my question is, will you trust God? Will you trust God and live by faith? Listen, if you really think that you want to serve God, God's given us a Bible college, Pacific West Baptist College. If you think you really want to serve God, come and get trained. Now it's possible that you're locked into a, a career and family and you're not able to come full time to Bible college. Well, I have the best news for you in the world. We have courses online. You can sign up and take a course online right in your home. Do it on your spare time. But every Christian needs training. You need training. Take Bible courses. What are they going to do for you? They're going to increase your faith because now with faith, you can serve God. And so I, I ask you, if you will serve him by faith, will you faithfully tithe and support missions through your faith promise? Will you faithfully do that? Will you help us to reach Surrey with the gospel and come and be part of the fire brigade by faith? Can I wear a face mask? You can wear as many face masks as you like. But will you do it? Will you come and be involved? Take an hour of your time on a Saturday morning. But what if I'm working? I'm busy. I can't. Then listen, set it up with Pastor Devian. He'll help you. And he'll find a, a time for you throughout the week. But get involved somehow. Now, Thomas means twin. And so we just finish with this. Which twin are you? <laughs> are you the old doubting Thomas twin? Or are you the new believing Thomas twin? Let's have a word of prayer. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads for prayer. Our loving heavenly father, we thank you that you, you haven't chosen all of the the, the brightest and the, the shiniest and the smartest and the, the most beautiful and the wealthiest. In fact, it was quite the opposite when you chose us. And some of us, many of us, all of us struggle with doubts. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. My father, I pray that you would bless your people with an increase in faith. Everyone here today and everyone watching at home on the internet. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith to live for you. Maybe we can't go around the world as a missionary, but there are things right here we can do for you. Lord, help us never to neglect 
a God-given opportunity. Oh, bless your people now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's our opportunity right now to serve the Lord with our offerings. And we want to encourage you to do that. Now, we don't have ushers to come and pass the offering baskets like we used to. We have an offering box on the back wall. As you go through the door on the right-hand side, it's got a little slot on the top. You can put your tithe. You can put your faith promise. Now, if somehow you forgot, because it happens, it's even happened to me. I've gotten to church. Doesn't happen very often, I'll be honest with you, but it has happened where I've forgotten my offering at home. Well, we have the benefit of modern media electronics and so on. You can put in your tithe electronically. You can do that today. Now, for those that are watching over the internet, I want to encourage you in just a moment. I want to encourage you to go to the donation page and please help out. And listen, while I'm on the subject, I want to remind you that uh, Sister Myra is uh, struggling. She's just come through a, a house fire and her and her kids and the dog and the clothes on their back. That's it. That's all they got. As a church, we have put together a relief fund. And so far this past week, several people have been donating and adding to it. We want to make that available for the next week or two more. We want to encourage you to give above and beyond because God will bless that back to you. You'll see every tithe you give, every faith promise you give to missions, every compassionate gift you give in this case to our dear sister, Myra, who got burned out of house and home. Everything she had has gone up in smoke, but God always blesses it back. He is no man's debtor. You'll see. And by the way, if it was you that was burned out of house and home, wouldn't you appreciate a little bit of love and kindness from your church family? And so you have an opportunity. You can do that today if you'd like, but first, Hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 99. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name for it is holy. And then the last verse. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. Amen. And now at this time, we're going to ask upon Pastor Silver, come please and lead us in a hymn. And if you're watching online, would you go to the donation page now and give us unto the Lord. Pastor Silver. 